Today's content is intended for adults only, and we also want to give a trigger warning. We are interviewing a special guest who is a former porn star and sex worker who has given her life to Christ and is now helping men and women come out of the porn industry to find their God-given purpose. We are excited to hear her perspective on the destructive effects of porn, as well as her story of redemption. And just a reminder, if there's kiddos nearby, go ahead and pop in those earbuds, or you may just want to listen in later. It wasn't until I got around that group of people that day that I felt like I had a chance and that there was a place for me and that I could be forgiven, really forgiven, and not just for the day, but like forever for all of the pain and the hurt that I was causing, not only to my husband and to the countless anonymous families affected by what I was doing in my life, but I could forgive myself. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if it's possible to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Your story matters, and there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. I'm Johnny. I'm Emily. And friends, we've been where you are. Our marriage vows were shattered by adultery fueled by pornography. But through commitment to recovery, our faith in God, and our hope for redemption, we set out on a journey of healing. Now our marriage is better than we ever could have imagined, and we give God all the glory. On our show, we'll talk through difficult topics, infidelity, porn addiction, recovery, and more. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, Grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We are your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, and we're very excited to have a very special guest with us today. We are talking with Elizabeth Spragans, a certified professional life coach, and honorary expert in human sexuality and adult entertainment. Her mission is to provide adult entertainers and sex workers with a way out of the industry to rebuild their lives, mind, body, and spirit. She coaches many different types of clients, including married couples recovering from infidelity and men and women battling sex addiction. There is so much to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Yes, Elizabeth, welcome. Hi, thank you so much, you guys, for having me on. I'm actually really excited to have this conversation. I look forward to it. Okay, great. Well, you know what? I just wanted to mention that you and I uh, were in an entrepreneurial education program at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? And last year, the three of us, all three of us, we were at this wonderful personal development event in Colorado. And actually, it was more of a transformational event. I thought it was the best that Johnny and I had ever ever been to. And um, actually, I recently find out, found out from you that it was pretty much life-changing for you. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but we'll talk about yeah. that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, you know, at that weekend event, you stood up bravely in front of like a hundred strangers. And you told your story about when you were a young girl. And it was a very personal and painful story for you. Yeah. And you had me in tears. Yes, <laughs> and I definitely felt that myself. Yeah, that was so very vulnerable and so commendable. And that stuck with me. And then we met up again in Las Vegas, which is where you live right now, right? Yes, I've been here 20 years. 20 years, okay. Well, we were at a mastermind event. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember speaking to you on one of the breaks. 
we were outside and we were just chit-chatting and you said something very powerful to me. And I don't remember the exact words, but you told me to tell my story boldly and unapologetically and that it would help people who needed to hear it. Mm -hmm. And those words became prophetic (laughs) because I had never dreamed that God would lead Johnny and I into podcasting. Nope. Never on our radar. And we would be telling the world our story of redemption, but you know, here we are. So Johnny and I have been discussing recently on our show about the effects of pornography in marriage over, you know, last few episodes. And in episode 16, we talked a lot about the devastation of porn use and addiction in those who view it, but we only briefly touched on how porn hurts those who are in the industry being viewed. And so we're glad to have you here today to enlighten us even further on this side of the porn industry and tell us how you're helping women get out. But I wanted to start out with this question for you, okay? Okay. Why in the world should anyone listen to you, Elizabeth? What authority do you have to speak on this topic? Wow. Um, You know what? I only answer to one being, and that would be my Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, So I really only answer to him. So if I feel like answering somebody, it's because I believe they need the information and they would like the help. I have had uh, 15 years in one way or another being an erotic entertainer, whether that be on stage or in person as a professional escort. Yes, I did sex work. And when I wasn't doing that, I was on camera making movies um, or selling communications, text messages, videos, that sort of thing. I've done it all. I have done it all. And I have spent a greater part of my adulthood in the business finding ways to be okay with it and ignoring the effects that it had on people, even though with the interactions I had in order to make money, I was very acutely aware. So I I do have an expertise in sex work. All right. Wonderful. We're glad to get it just Mm -hmm. from the horse's mouth, so to speak. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) the beautiful, a beautiful horse. (laughs) Um, So we, we have uh, heard many horrible, horrible accounts of what happens to women in the porn industry. And, you know, it's whether they sought this work out or whether they Mm -hmm. were coerced into it or trafficked into it. Um, You know, we've heard of the coercion, the drug abuse, the, you know, just physical abuse, alcohol, suicide, things like that. Um, You know, the dehumanizing acts that they do and what that does to their souls. So can you tell us what really goes on from your experience? I will. My answer is going to be a a little unusual. Um, I'm going to speak from the perspective of someone who chose to do the work. Now, of course, on the other side of that, there are women who are coerced and even forced to do this work. My experience is different from theirs. The effects, I imagine, are very similar. I do help and talk to women and coach women who were not voluntarily part of the sex industry, and I, I would not disrespect them by speaking on their experience without them here to share that with you. My experience was I was already living pretty wild because of the way that I came into adulthood. I came into sexuality. I didn't see a problem with it initially. I I honestly, I had no problem with it. In fact, I had a really great time. I made a ton of money. And even though there were whispers of this is wrong, Society in 
the condition it's in today and the condition it's been in for about 20 years now has been live and let live. You do you, I'll do me and mind your own business. So there hasn't been a moral fiber that made me feel anything other than, well, there's nothing wrong with this. Even though I grew up Catholic, I was baptized. I went through confirmation and I knew about Christ, but I didn't have him in my heart at that point. So after, after I think it was about 2014, 2015, when things in our country started to change and attitudes towards sexuality started to change, what is moral and what is not, what is mind your own business worthy and what is not, we can't quite accept that yet. Am I, am I making that clear? Or do you need me to no, be more we, specific? No, I understand. I believe. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I started to get scripts about doing certain types of scenes that I had never seen before. Um, meaning a uh, stepmom and stepdad were the characters in the pornographic scenes I would be hired to do. At first, I, I, I kind of raised a question about this. I'm like, that's, that's awful. Who wants to watch this? And it was just one every couple of months or so that I would be getting hired to do these scenes. And then in other forms of sex work that I was doing, whether it be doing cam work or selling instant messages of some kind, I would be getting these requests. The more these movies came out, the more the general public started to request this type of erotic entertainment. That raised my awareness. And still, I found a way to be okay with what was happening in general society with people's attitudes towards sexuality by ignoring the way that I felt. I started drinking. Um, I was going out and spending money foolishly. I was being promiscuous. I, I ignored it. I had to make a deliberate, a deliberate effort to ignore what I was doing for a living to be okay with it because the money was so good. And it was in 2020, I became aware of, I don't want to get your channel in trouble by saying certain things. I became aware of the enormity of harm against children. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely, in my heart, had no idea. I became aware of how the pornography that was being produced and published, whether by independent content creators, meaning uh, I don't want to say the website because I don't want to give them any more money. Right. But uh, there is a server out there that makes it very easy for the average guy and girl to get on and make videos. And then there are mainstream, like big movie studios. But all of these people we're seeing the change in the attitude of society about wanting entertainment that pretended to be aroused by underage looking or sounding people. But I became aware of why. And in current times, it is an abomination that the public, the general public didn't know. I myself, I genuinely did not know why this was, why this was happening. And then one day back in 2020, I was doing some independent research for some journalists online, and I came across some heartbreaking, some soul-breaking information and some uh, information I wish I had never seen, right. wish I didn't know. It, it, ate, it ate a hole in my soul in that instant to such a degree, it broke me as a human being, and uh, my heart was torn, shattered, broken, and everything I was doing by performing pornography 
knowing that it was connected to the way that people were being encouraged to see sexuality differently, it ate my soul up. And it wasn't until 20, just 2023, so it wasn't until 2022 that I figured a way out. It took me that long to figure a way out. And I knew, and I started drinking more. I knew I wanted to stop performing. I knew I didn't want to live this way anymore because it ate my soul to be connected in any way to the harm that was coming to these children that I became aware of. Mm. It, it broke my heart. And it wasn't until that day that I met you and your husband in Colorado that the Lord told me, these are the people you need to be around. He told me, he said, there is a place for you and I'm going to show you. And I didn't think God would ever forgive me for what I had done. I, I didn't think I deserved to be forgiven. I was certain I was doomed to go straight to hell for living the life I was living. And I didn't think there was any way that I could use this horrifying sin of performing pornography and selling pornography and encouraging other people to watch it, that there was a place for me in heaven next to Jesus. And, and you know, the Father, I, had, I, I was doomed in my heart. And it wasn't until I met that group of people that I learned that there are different kinds of traumas that people experience and they hold themselves back from achieving their true gifts in life. Mm. And no matter what their story might have been, the shame and the pain and the embarrassment of it were why they were not giving back to the world the gifts that they were originally given to share. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm so, yeah, I this love is, this story. I love this telling this so story. Good. It's so good. And Johnny absolutely yes. can understand hmm. exactly what you mean by not doing with what God gave you in the original plan because of getting sidetracked, right, honey? That's correct. Yeah. So please go ahead. We're sitting here enthralled. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I I, I started to transform my public, uh, my public persona. See, I had already spent 10 years, uh, 11 years at, you know, as far as 2020 goes, I had been in the sex industry in one way or another uh, since 2007. So by 2020, I had already been doing the work for 13 years and I was a highly visible public figure from 2011 until that point. And people had this idea of who and what I was. I was the lady they were watching in the dark in the basement or you know, they were watching on their phone while their wives were asleep or they were watching in the dorm when mom and dad couldn't disapprove. These were people that would send me fan mail. So I, I took my time to transform my public persona from that devastating degenerate that was encouraging people to harm the world in one way or another by not sharing love for their neighbor or sharing a different interest that is an abomination. I, I started talking about different things. I started talking about being good to people. And it wasn't until recently when I, I cut all of my ties to the sex industry that I found the bravery to start speaking publicly about my love for Christ, which is a total 180 from being a porn star who's posting naked, you know, triple X videos on her social media to somebody who rarely almost never shares a picture except of puppies or other children. And now, now I'm posting scriptures mm -hmm which I love to do because now with this thing, I don't know, am I allowed to talk yes, about this? Absolutely. <laughs> the best we, book in the world. We highly encourage it. This is so amazing. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's okay because I, I don't 
you know, I don't know what the ins and outs of your show are. And I just, I love you guys. Oh. Thank you so much for allowing me to do this, by the way. This is bringing me so much happiness. This is the Life Application Study Bible. It's the NIV version. I'm not sure what that stands for. I'm still new to this, right? Yeah. I had always tried to read a Bible. And back in 2020, when I became aware of the specific activity that has something, you know, that's connected to the harm and the trafficking of children. I, there is an actual group of people facilitating this. And there is an actual ceremony and activities that have directly to do with this. And I, I won't say that because that's what he's telling me to do. He says, you all out there, you understand what I'm talking about. And I, I hope that the rest of you will figure it out on your own. Although if you have a weak stomach, don't, you'll never be the same again. Um, people need to be I wanted aware, to Elizabeth. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but that's part of why we have you on this show and have some other okay. guests coming is because people live in the dark, yeah. you know, and that was one of the things that was wrong about what happened in our marriage. Johnny was, had a secret sin in the dark. And once it came out into the light, that's where God could do something with it. And so if people are burying their head in the sand and, and, you know, they don't want to see it, uh, don't, don't show me, I don't want to know what's going on. That's not helping anybody. And so we're really passionate about education. Do you want me to say? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can. I, I just didn't know if it was okay with your particular viewer. You know. And, and uh, sharing from my perspective, too, is that there is uh, there's a growing occurrence of the fact that the church just isn't talking about this. And our listenership comes primarily from those who are, who are church attenders who go to many churches. And our churches won't talk about it. Emily and I don't go into our home church and blab this all over the place necessarily, unless our pastor has invited us to do so, which he just recently did. Sure. And so we've had that platform and we're not shying away from it, but we certainly appreciate the sensitivity to our listening audience. Okay. And uh, we're grateful for that. Thank you. I thank you for, for sharing that. I, I believe very strongly in this. Uh, I will try to be as sensitive uh, to the topic while still talking about it. I believe that it's, there are people out there who abduct and harm children for ceremonial reasons um, to worship uh, Lucifer, worship the devil. And I have seen evidence um, in my independent research for journalists online, because when I was trying to find a way to leave pornography, I began doing research just for journalists. It was one of the things that I did in order to try to find a way out of what I was doing. And while I was doing this research, I came across, well, multiple search engines, different sources. You know, I always cross-checking checking everything that they were giving me to look for. So I wouldn't look like an idiot, you know, and give them wrong information. But during this journey, I came across an organized group of people who, uh, it's bad. It's bad. And... I wanted to read the Bible that back in 2020, I can say was the greatest gift for me, even though that's when the world started to fall apart. It was the greatest gift life could have given me because I never would have found my way back. I never would have kicked yeah. myself in the, you know, in, in the butt and said, wow, if you don't knock this off right now, you're going straight to hell. And you're going to be right next to those people who are doing this to these children. And I was just like, okay. So I tried to learn how to read the Bible um, because I keep seeing people so happy, like they're happy. And, you know, they're talking about stuff on a regular basis. The Bible says this, the Bible says that. And I'm thinking to myself, 
okay, but I'm I'm a reforming scumbag, right? I I am like one of those people that you hear about on a TED talk or something, you know, like uh, Weldon Long. He's a three-time convicted felon, and he came back to serve society. And then there's Ian Smith, you know, that the patriot in New Jersey who refused to close his gym during the lockdowns. These people have all come from a place of being utterly disgusting human beings. And they found a way after they received the word to use that story to show other people they can be redeemed. Amen. That there is forgiveness no matter how bad you screw up. If you're alive, you have a chance to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I beg you to absolve me of my sins. So I wanted to read the Bible. So I tried. I got a regular Bible. It's pretty. It has this leather band, you know, cover and everything. But I, I didn't understand it. And I'm trying to, you know, how does that relate to life? What does this passage in, in these fancy words have to do with me going to work and wanting to be a good person or trying to rewrite my life, right? I didn't get it. So this was almost two weeks ago after almost three years of trying to follow Christ and not finding the words that were showing me which way I needed to go about it. I got the study Bible and this thing is awesome. I opened this up and I was like, no way. And it's got a, a list in the back that has, you know, each day of the year. And then it has what passage to read that day. And these are short passages. Now you guys out there might be thinking I'm a funny bunny, you know, for not knowing how to read the Bible, Not at all. but I'm okay with myself. And I'm telling you, this is a miracle, this book, because now not only am I reading the scriptures inside the study Bible, they have a part down at the bottom that shows you what it means in regular right now today English. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited about it. I'm sharing this message with people who previously watched the pornography I sold them. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, I know it's twisted. It's super twisted, but I'm, I'm actually reaching across boundaries now, sharing to scripture and sharing God's word and sharing what it means to me in my life and to the people I coach every day. And this, this, Wow, right? Study Bible. So if you're out there and you're in the church and you're not quite getting it and you kind of want to get it, pick up one of these bad boys. This thing has been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Thank you. Yes, it is awesome. My and pleasure. You know, it, it's uh Satan is a deceiver. And mm. people, even yep. people who believe in Jesus, can be deceived. Mm -hmm. And so easily it's um imperative that we don't hide things. It's imperative that we are honest and transparent and vulnerable, especially in our marriages, which is what we talk about on our show. Um, you know, that honesty and rigorous honesty is what we call it. Right. That transparency and vulnerability is what yeah. brings that connection. And that connection is what intimacy is all about, right? It's, oh, yeah. there's nothing like it. And, and many people, believers too, do not get to benefit from that experience in their marriage because of hidden sin or sin that's maybe not so hidden, but they refuse to repent of it. Right. And so, yes, um, the word is living and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it will, if you let it, it will cut down to the marrow of our bones and, you know, get rid of the bad and, and give us that life, that freedom that we so much crave as humans. Yes. I'm trying so hard because you said something that I got in my word, you know, in this wonderful, amazing, you know, life-changing publication here that the word is, uh, has the power of life and death in it. 
So that was to me as a brand new learning about the Bible. Welcome back to Christ Christian. Stop cursing so much, Elizabeth. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I agree with you. In sure. fact, in my, huh? <laughs> my, my own marriage has been affected by pornography. And that's one of the reasons I was so excited that you and your husband do what you do for a living because my husband is, uh, is a wonderful man. He was raised by a mother who ministers. He, his father, his late father, may he rest in peace. Good man. You know, veterans, both veterans, my husband as well, from Texas. Hmm. You know, traditional upbringing, good boy, has never been exposed to uh, Las Vegas or porn stars or escorts or strippers. or. And he met me uh, a few months after he arrived to Las Vegas from his last tour of duty overseas. And wow, did that rock his world. Of course, he's brand new as an almost 40-year-old man, exposed to this for the first time. And I had convinced him that what I did for a living was normal. Mm. I, I made a concerted effort to uh, protect our home life from what it was that I did for a living. And over the years, uh, he adapted to it. But what I didn't know was that my own husband had his own secret that we uh, just found the love between us for him to share with me a couple weeks ago. And my own husband has been an enthusiastic observer of pornography in private uh, for many years because he spent many years deployed. He spent many years as a single man. And he previously, before being married to me, was in an abusive marriage. So my husband had gotten so used to making pornography an erotic material an option for self-satisfaction, he no longer had a need to have an intimate relationship with his wife. But between the two of us, he was so ashamed of being such an avid fan of explicit material. Instead of telling me that this was a problem for him, he chose to make me believe that it was my fault because of the work I was doing for a living, right. which to me had been understandable. But meanwhile, I'm heartbroken because I'm thinking I'm doing everything right. And even after I leave the business, he continued to practice this habit instead of having a physical relationship with his wife. And yes, I mean sex. Yes, mm -hmm. I mean sex. My husband and I did not have a sexual relationship. We actually separated you know, about this issue. And then I found out a few weeks ago, this was something he was experiencing. Oh, and I said, Lord, you couldn't have told me this seven years ago. I mean, there's so much of that loving date night connection that we could have had. Mm. I mean, you know, but I'm guessing what he was telling me was that you don't deserve to have the ability to appreciate one-on-one -on -one with your husband until you are one-on-one -on -one with him yourself. And... I'm starting to understand things a little differently these days. So I'm I'm right there. And I actually wanted to get more into that with you guys, if you don't mind. No, that's great. No, please. I wanted to hear your, you, I wanted to hear more about like, oh. <laughs> from you guys. Oh, I, I feel I like see. I'm taking it the show and I feel <laughs> awful about that. <laughs> We're here to interview you. <laughs> but yes. Okay, okay, my bad. No, that's now, fine. You know what? Just to say it as a caveat, um, we are happy to talk with you. Okay. The work that you're doing, we would want to do anything that we could do to support you and William Thank in you. this so that you can continue on mission. Yes. Uh, I'm former military myself. I served uh, Gulf War 1990, 
1990 to 1992. And so uh, I understand how that can come up as a need slash distraction. I was actually four years completely clean from all forms of adult entertainment mm -hmm. uh, up until uh, combat service. Yeah. You know, mine was on aircraft carriers. Oh boy. And then I just, because everybody else was doing it, I fought it off as long as I could. And I eventually fell to it. And we were married for- We were, we were already married, married for, for four years. Four years at that time. And so he told me at year five for the very first time. Yep. And it came up in our marriage occasionally that he was viewing. I would either catch him or he would admit it. And we tried to do what we knew how in-house. Sure. We didn't like go seek much help um, outside. But um, so, of course, it didn't really do much. But I was not aware of the extent oh. of it. I was not. I mean, I had no clue that this man who I adored and was such a good husband to me yeah. had this secret life where he actually was a master liar. And, you know, his, the deception was like right. <laughs> unbelievable. And so, yeah. It, oh, and all of this while I was uh, actively in pastoral care. Yeah. He was, he had a minister's license and he was right. running a church at some point and he was in a motorcycle ministry and cool. Yes. So it was a very shocking thing. So I understand that loss, that feeling of loss, that grief that you didn't have what you thought you had. I reacted and, differently. You know, that's something that that you just you do have to grieve through. It's a grieving process. It's the death of a yeah. relationship that you thought you had. Right. It's been quite a journey. I mean, we're four and a half years away from discovery and disclosure, and it's been rough, but okay. um, it is very it hasn't been rough this whole four and a half years i mean it's sure. it was rough at first. it was a couple of years of really really hard work and we still do hard work and we still have um you know some emotional setbacks sometimes but mm -hmm. for the most part we are experiencing a marriage that it was the marriage that i always dreamed of right. and it was the marriage that i right. thought i had early on in our marriage but didn't really. And so, you know, God has redeemed us. He has redeemed our marriage. Right. He's redeemed both of us through the, you know, sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we can't do anything but share his story with other people because we know it is just so needed. It's so prevalent in our society and in our churches that we are also on mission to try to help as many people come out of the shadows mm -hmm. and into the light as possible. Can I ask you why you made the decision? Because when it says, it says in the Bible, and I'm I'm still learning the Bible, but it says in the Bible, I know that um, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Mm -hmm. And that if a man lusts after a woman, he might as well just have slept with her anyway, Correct. because he's committing adultery if he lusts after her. Um, so I'm out here committing worlds of sin. And then my husband tells me he's looking at dirty movies mm -hmm. and fantasizing and self-satisfying. So I'm kind of like, yeah, he felt in his heart, he had cheated on me right. and he was ashamed to tell me, but he didn't know how he could stop. Why did you decide to forgive your husband for committing that spiritual and mental adultery, even though it might not have been physical with another person? Well, actually, it was physical. It, yep. it escalated. Oh. You know that pornography 
oh. with left to its okay. own devices always escalates. Yeah, yes. so there's a there's a little bit of a yes. connection here. When you mentioned that you started in the industry in 2007, mm -hmm. Emily squeezed my hand here off a of camera because that was the year I officially became a physical adulterer. And then for 11 years, he had several sexual relationships outside the marriage. Well, so yes, it was devastating. Uh, pornography for a, a spouse is devastating to find out about. It is adultery. Um, and then having physical relationships is kind of like leveling up, I think maybe, but yeah, I did that as well. Yeah. I was completely shattered, completely, utterly shattered to dust, mm -hmm. but I have known my savior since I was five Oh wow! and he is trustworthy. He always has been trustworthy. And I knew that he loved me so much. He loved me enough to have his son die for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a perfect person. I mean, I'm not doing the kind of things he was doing, but none of us is perfect. The Bible tells us um, there is none righteous. No, not one. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God every day. So if he can forgive me, then I have to forgive Johnny. Right. And yeah, it was hard. <laughs> Forgiveness isn't easy. It's right. it's a process, but it's also a decision. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to because I knew that if I didn't, I would become bitter and it would affect me. And I didn't want to live in a prison that I had put myself in. So God gave me the strength to start that process of forgiveness with That's Johnny. Yes. And there was many occasions where more truth and more truth and more truth would trickle out and just kind of gut punched me again and again. And, and it just felt like I, I thought I might've forgiven him, but it doesn't feel like I really can, sure. but it's, it is a journey. It's a process. So, um, yeah, it's, you, you're not expected to just turn on a dime. I forgive you and we're done. Let's move on. It don't work like you know, that. That's not what forgiveness is. <laughs> right. No, it's, and it doesn't let them off the hook. And that's no, a little doesn't. bit about kind of what I had worried at first. How can I forgive him? It, it's going to make it seem like it's okay what he did, or he's not going to have any consequences. Uh -huh. But God specifically told me, he he spoke to my heart and he said, Emily, you need to leave Johnny to me. I will do the punishing. Oh. You do not have to do that. You just need to forgive and to submit to me. And so that's what I did. And it's turned out to be the best thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad Johnny stayed. Also, you said something that that kind of struck me, Emily. You said something pretty powerful just now, and I wanted to I wanted to touch on that. I do believe in my heart that pornography is a gateway to extramarital affairs. I just had was not sure that that was the case in your situation, but I also believe it's a gateway to more harmful behaviors um, and more harmful contributions to the world. It's not just you know, observing a woman or a woman and a man or whatever combination on a video or in a picture, this creates imagination of escalating forms of entertainment and escalating shocking taboo. And this encourages people to go out and commit acts that they normally might not have because they're thinking, well, if these images that I'm seeing and this, these videos that I'm seeing are normal enough, to be sold, then what's just a step beyond that? Right. What else is just outside of that that I could probably get away with? And it involves a selfishness of not considering, you know, the desire to find a partner or to be good to a partner who's not aware of the habit. And that selfishness, it breeds 
and it festers into habits that someone might not normally choose. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'll let you answer that one. I know <laughs> how I, I think, but I'll let right. you. Right, uh, because she's asking the addict to actually answer that. There, I, I am recovering from sex addiction, and I have been in active uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous recovery uh, for uh, four years now, clean for four and a half years. It's wonderful. And so um, congratulations. you really did a great job at describing the progression that goes inside the addict. And the only thing I can do to answer for that is there is an internal craving. Mm -hmm. When we refuse to act like human beings, we revert to instinctive behavior like animals. We want to be fed and we want to have sex. And much like with cigarettes and with uh, alcohol, you can become anesthetized to the initial effects to the point where you need more to get back to that feeling where it felt good. Yes. Or at least it made you feel settled. The idea of using pornography, it's not physically the same as shooting heroin or drinking alcohol, but you use it we as addicts, we use pornography to manage difficult emotions. Right. When we cannot handle the stress of life or when when things start getting too intense for us, mm-hmm. we need our form of addiction to bring that, that sense of uh, release back to us. Mm-hmm. But the immediate reaction after the acting out is shame and guilt. Right instant self-hate and that is the lie and the trap of satan that's where you know in step two of recovery it says i came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity first of all in that is understanding that there is somebody greater than you right okay you make the decision but you got to understand for the first time an addict usually believes that they're the end of themselves that there's nobody else there It's only them and it's the whole lie. But if they can believe for the first time in their life that there's somebody that is greater than them, I truly believe God looks at that and says, I can deal with that. Now I've got something to work with. But the second half of that is can restore me to sanity. We always love to laugh at Einstein's definition of insanity, which is. He was a goofball for sure. Yeah. Smart goofball. His uh his definition of insanity yeah. was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. So that's the cycle in addiction. We come to believe in our addiction that this next one, this next hit is going to solve our problems and then we can be done. And we make this promise to ourselves over and over and over again. And it does become insanity. How do you recommend that people who are just discovering they have an issue. How do you recommend that they move forward? Uh, first of all, tell somebody. Oh yeah. Because the the amount of lies that it takes to remain an addict is insurmountable. And when you tell somebody else, you start taking those lies and you drag them from the darkness into the light. And uh, usually, I would say that the most impactful one that you need to tell is probably the one that's closest to you. I.e., for me, it was Emily. Um, You have to look into the eyes of the one that you have betrayed the most to see their pain, to shock you into reality of what you have just done. And that kept me from wanting to tell Emily. 
there was many times in my quiet times in the morning with God when I was begging to have this seemingly unnatural sexual drive removed from me because at that time I didn't even understand that I was an addict. Oh. And so I was asking God, I said, I'm begging him, God, remove this from me. And over and over again, he would tell me, you need to tell Emily. Oh, that must have been scary. It was. It was terrifying. And but, you know, I spent my life in ministry saying yes to God. But this time I said, no, I can't do it. I won't do it. But I was trying to sound, imagine if you will, me trying to sign, sound noble in front of God by telling him, I don't want to hurt Emily. It's going to be too much for her. She won't be able to take the pain. The truth of that. Well, that wasn't up to you to decide. That is actually correct. Thank you for actually, thank you for saying that because you are right. Mm -hmm. um, but who I was protecting was me. I couldn't actually bear to tell her. It was going to be too difficult for me to. And so I buried it under a sense of nobility of protecting Emily. Mm -hmm. But I was actually protecting myself. My right. my addicted mind was trying to make sure that I did not go from darkness into light. I love that saying. That saying makes my heart happy. Why did you finally decide to take that jump and to let her know what was happening with you? Yeah, I really wish that uh, now that I could have been that man of courage mm -hmm. that made the decision to come out. Oh. I got busted. Oh, so did my husband. Yeah, I had accusations of an adulterous relationship made to some of my ministry leaders. Oh. And they sat me down in the office, in their office and they asked me about them. And I immediately uh, started to gaslight and lie sure. because that was my habit. But then this miracle happened that I still don't know how to explain other than a visitation of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. was I stopped. I actually stopped talking. I stopped lying. And I just said back to him, everything that you have just said to me is true. Did you feel it? Did you feel that physical presence of finally stepping beyond that place where you were terrified of your secret being discovered? Yes, n not at that moment. Did you feel the weight of that? I didn't fully understand that until later. Mm -hmm. It was later after I did a full disclosure to Emily in front of our senior pastor where the two of them got everything, Ooh. absolutely everything. For four hours, we sat in the pastor's office and I told them everything. And that's when my weight lifted and Emily's prison began. Yeah. And if if God didn't think that she could carry that burden while you were navigating that situation, he would have separated the two of you and you wouldn't be together today. But you've got an incredibly strong wife who could bear the weight of that information. And her love for you was stronger than that boulder on her shoulder that she had to carry. Amen. And she's such a I sweet. Have a strong God. Yes. <laughs> yes. I couldn't have done it without him. I tell you what, I'm only human. <laughs> so I had to have that strength from God to do it. I'm still figuring things out as far as um, I've invited Christ into my heart and into my home and into the way that I treat my husband. Now, there is seven years of pornography performing and escorting and all sorts of other influences that I promoted because I wanted to be okay with it. And in order for me to be okay with what I was doing, I had to make everyone around me okay with it sure. in one way or another, because I couldn't hide it. I was in the public eye. Everybody saw everything I did. And 
I feel like I have facilitated an environment, knowing now what my husband was experiencing, to normalize his um, self-satisfaction with erotica because of what I did was so much worse, so much worse. When I was actually breaking my vows every time I went to work or every time I went to the gym and I was on my social media trying to promote something I've done. And I felt super guilty in an instant for him feeling bad about having an addiction to erotica because I was actually doing these things in person. So it wasn't difficult for me to forgive him. In fact, I, I thought, and I'm ashamed of myself for saying this, I thought it was cute hmm. because he felt like this was the worst thing he had done in his whole life was just intimately self-satisfied with, you know, dirty movies. And here I am, I'm actually on camera showing the world my sin hmm. and in private sharing, you know, his other half with other people for money. So forgiving him wasn't hard. Trusting him is a, is a different story. And I would love to talk to you both um, about inviting Christ back into your home, like for real living with Christ in your marriage, because he's just at the beginning of his journey. I mean, brand new, less than two weeks ago at, at the beginning of his journey. And I, I've told him, I said, baby, we really need to start going back to church. Like we need to go to church. I want to be around other people who live with this as a daily part of their lives. And I want to feel a community surrounding our marriage that I, one, have broken. There's really no shame. There's no hiding it because it's forever marked on the internet for everyone to say what I've done. I can't hide what I've done. He, on the other hand, was able to hide his version of his life's greatest sin was simply watching porn. And I, I, I would like for God to be a part of our marriage. I would like for Christ to be in our every day. I would like for my husband to feel that, that love and that comfort from being ashamed of something that he feels bad about. I, I don't know how to do that. So I'm happy we could have this conversation today. Yes. What do you recommend? Like, where do we go about that? I'm still new to all yeah. of this. Well, we could probably talk more offline okay. because there's a lot to talk about. Yes, yes ours. you're on the right track, Elizabeth. You are um, exactly right. You need community. Mm -hmm. You know, God created community relationships, that he's a relational God. And so that's definitely something that will help you guys. I mean, our community, our church community, the staff there, they surrounded us and protected us and, and walked us through this together. And, you know, I don't know what we would have done without that. So it would have been much harder. So yes, um, getting into a healthy, well-balanced church and also getting some people around you who could mentor you in this area, you know, somebody that's gone before somebody who is spiritually more mature that can show you what the Bible says, because your willingness is just I mean, my heart is soaring because you're yeah. just so willing yeah. to do whatever it takes to move forward in a healthy way. And so God's going to honor that, Elizabeth. He definitely will walk that road with you. It's been a relief, Emily. Um, it's been a relief to feel like I've been forgiven for things that have been plaguing me my whole life. Like I, I have felt like I didn't deserve to live at certain points because of how I was living. And, you know, suicidal tendencies are definitely a part of my history because I, I felt like such a bad person 
I didn't want to continue to poison the world that had so much innocence and so much, so much joy with the way that I was living. And it wasn't until I got around that group of people that day in Colorado that I felt like I had a chance and that there was a place for me and that I could be forgiven, really forgiven, and not just for the day, but like forever for all of the pain and the hurt that I was causing, not only to my husband and to the countless anonymous families affected by what I was doing in my life, but I could forgive myself. And I'm still working on that. But this wonderful, beautiful book out there, if there are people who haven't accepted Christ into their heart or are still thinking about it and trying to figure out what it's all about, just pick up one of these. Just pick up one of these books and you know, go to the back. Go to the day in the year and just start reading about this stuff. And it will speak to you. It speaks to me. Now, the Bible and his word talk to me in everything that I do. Even in this conversation, he's talking to me right now. And I'm, I'm you know, enjoying the fact that I have ADD because I can talk to you and talk to him at the same time. It's great. <laughs> it's like a magic trick. He's talking to me right now about what I'm going to say to my spouse when I go home and the way that I'm going to love him with my words when I go home after being gifted with this conversation with you two. So I see things now in everything that I do. He talks to me all the time. And before I couldn't hear him, right? I just wanted to. You know, yeah. I, I I feel so bad. I'm rambling, you guys. Like you, you have. We love it. <laughs> we just honestly, when it comes to a oh, proponent my. of the gospel, we couldn't have said it better ourselves. The uh, the manner in which you're communicating is, I believe, the way Jesus had intended for it to be said, with enthusiasm from somebody who has had a life change. Yes. Oh yeah. And not only just the life change, but now I, I in my heart, what, whew, whew, what, what he told me that very first day that I actually heard his voice and I could hear him. And it's not like a voice speaking to your ear. I felt him in my heart. It was like a hand reaching into my chest to tell me that everything was going to be okay, that he still loved me, that he would forgive me if I just asked him. And I felt it. I, it was like I felt words with a sense of touch almost. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. But he told me that very moment that my mission in life was to show other women and other men who believe that sex work is harmless, who believe that pornography is harmless, that believe adultery is harmless, that there's another way, that it is possible to recover and to heal from it. Now, I, I don't specifically teach only people recovering from sex addiction. I, I deal more with uh, devastating all-around life challenges, but sex addiction is one of my specialties. Mm -hmm. But I had been dealing with it myself, so I'm guessing, because he talks to me all the time, that I wouldn't really be as effective as he needed me to be unless I confronted what was happening in my own home yes. and my own marriage and my own heart and my own life. So here we are. And every day I learn something new. <laughs> That's good. We all, every day. we all should strive to do that. Yeah. This has been wonderful, Elizabeth. I think we could probably talk for hours, but, um, we totally yeah. could girl. I'm from the East coast. We... Again, I think this was great. <laughs> and there's so many other things I'd love to 
find out about you. And we are so encouraged about your your new path, your ministry, your business, everything that you're doing to Thank you. take what was not good in your life, all the things that you did that you were ashamed of, turn that around, give it to God, and then allow him to give you the gift of sharing that with other people yes. so that they can have that same freedom, that same joy that you have found in Jesus. And so, yes. yay, we're like rooting you on, girl. Thank you. And and for you too. I mean, if I didn't know your organization and you and your husband existed, I would have no one to talk to about this because I believe it affects more people than than others realize. Absolutely, it does. It is very widespread. So we need everybody we can get to help um, with this mission, with this commission of reaching others with the gospel and helping them get freedom. I want to give it a hug right now. I'm like, it's like it's like a it's like a new puppy that you know like oh i love this i just want to hug it i take it with me everywhere it's so amazing you know i love it so listen elizabeth um how can people find you how do they contact you well my name is elizabeth so i'm hoping they choose not to see that other area of my life that i'm not pulling into my future with me my name is elizabeth spragans Mm -hmm. and you can find me everywhere just Google Elizabeth Spragans. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitch. I'm on Truth Social. I'm on Getter. I'm uh, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm trying to spread this word everywhere because that's what he's telling me to do. Right. Just Elizabeth Spragans. Oh, and YouTube <laughs> and Rumble. I, you know, I'll send you a list. That goes on and on. Great. That's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your heart with us Thanks, you guys. and your story. And we just, we love it. We love you. And we will talk soon. Love you too. We're grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. So until next time, marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, Please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.